0: Welcome to Political Attack, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Asselt, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Wada. What's up, Todd? Hey, Corey. All right, let's start with some federal. We actually haven't talked any federal news in a little while. But this week, President Biden went to Saudi Arabia, hat in hand, begging the Saudis not to reduce oil production. Saudi Arabia and the other OPEC countries announced their intent to cut oil production by about 2 million barrels per day. The intent there is to increase prices worldwide to the world market, and maybe even give Putin's Russia a little bit of boost in the meantime. The Saudis are friends with Russia, and we should remind everyone that America does supply the Saudis with high-tech military weapons (laughs) and does ensure the safe travel of oil tankers that move basically in an assembly line constantly through the Persian Gulf. That's really thanks to America. And these are the same Saudis that had a Washington Post journalist murdered a um, uh, year before last, and President Biden and the Democrats pledged to, he said, make Saudi Arabia a pariah uh, as a result of that situation. and In reality, President Biden, he traveled to Saudi Arabia earlier this summer to beg them to the lower gas prices. They told him at the time to go pound sand. Now they've turned around, and not only are they not uh, increasing production to lower prices, they're decreasing production to increase prices. And Biden is now pleading with them not to cut the oil production. Sure enough, went ahead and did it. Cut the oil production because they don't fear Biden and they don't respect Biden. And they uh, completely ignored and humiliated him and revealed his epic fecklessness through the process. Still, gas prices are on the rise and an election is coming. As the Wall Street Journal editorial board put it well, said the Biden White House has tried every gimmick to lower gas prices other than the one that would really matter. Call off its political and regulatory campaign against American oil and gas production. And that's the point that I want to make here. We have enough resources in America to last 100 years. But Biden and really this radical left administration that he's appointed, they've just declared war on American energy. That includes Utah's energy. And they've done everything in their power to stymie, to block, to threaten, all of our uh, American producers, and instead turning to murderous dictators, and this is the last point I'll make. Now that the Saudis have told them to go flag kite, President Biden is turning to the Venezuelan dictator, Nicolas Maduro, isn't that fun? A man who uh, Maduro is a guy, he's committed, documented crimes against humanity, murdered people, Uh, you have people fleeing Venezuela, many of them coming to America actually. yeah, Biden's going to ask him to help lower gas prices so that Democrats don't get their uh, get destroyed in the election. And that's where we're at. Todd, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, well, yeah, I, I agree with everything you say. And you know, on one hand, I have to uh, commend President Biden for keeping his campaign promises. He said in the <laughs> Democratic debates that he would uh, shut, you know, he would shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, mission accomplished. He, he promised to uh, cut back on oil uh, and gas leases and permits. Uh, he kept that promise. And, you know, I, I just want to add the, the, the Democrats, the progressives, they live in this fantasy world that if uh, if we just love the environment more, that we could stop using oil tomorrow and just, you know, uh, hold hands, sing Kumbaya and just and just use wind and solar for the rest of our lives and everything would just be honky dory. And and maybe, you know, I'm I'm pro-wind, I'm pro-solar. Sol, maybe we get there in our grandchildren's lifetimes, but we're not there today. And there's no better evidence of that than Germany, who, I mean, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people may die this winter in Germany because they can't heat their homes. And is Germany doubling down on wind and solar right now to solve all their problems? No, they they're doubling down on coal and nuclear power. They're they're uh, they're restarting coal plants that they had shut down. Germany is largely controlled by the Green Party, at least in certain regions like Frankfurt. They 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 control all the government, and um, they they are committed to you know basically being free of uh, uh, of uh, of uh, coal and and gas by 2030, which I again I think is a pipe dream. I think it's nice to have goals. But um, I, I ask all of my liberal friends right now if if uh, if solar and wind is sustainable today in 2022, why is Europe turning back to coal-fired plants and nuclear? And 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 the answer is it's because the technology is not there. Now, can you charge your cell phone with your solar panels? Sure, you can. Can you can you heat your house all winter with with solar? No, you you can't. Um, we're not there yet, and and we're not even that close. Um, and so I think that um, Trump had it right uh, when it came to a goal of energy independence. I think Biden has it wrong. I think this is exposing a lot of lies and hypocrisy. And let's be honest, you know, when gas prices were five dollars a gallon and seven to eight dollars a gallon in 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 California, they're still six dollars a gallon. A lot of progressives and liberals are high-fiving each other. They have wanted this for years because they believe that this is what would throw us into this new economy where, where, where we're all going to depend on wind and solar. And, and it, it's probably accelerating that, but it's just exposing the fact that the technology is not there.
0: Yeah, 100%. You're exactly right. This is exactly, I totally agree with you. This is exactly what the radical environmental movement has wanted all along. Higher gas prices the entire premise behind the New Deal, the Green New Deal, is to make fuel so expensive through punitive measures that it, uh, it makes the industries favored by the left more appealing and shifts uh, the um, fuel consumption to to alternative fuels. And it worked, you know. So take your victory lap, please. Yeah, well done,
1: everyone. Yep. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, people are buying less gas because they can't afford it you know, I just fill up my truck for over $100. That's fun. And, you know, like, take your victory lap and allow the voters to choose for themselves. Uh, But I mean, the the truth is, once reality sets in, the sky high gas prices is not what voters want. You know, then Biden scrambles to beg the world's oppressive dictators to, to bail him out. And that's what's just terribly frustrating.
1: And Corey, I need to, I can't emphasize this enough, nine days from today, ballots are going to be in utah mailboxes nine days we're nine days away everyone's talking about the election on november 8th no the elections on october 18th half of the people that will vote this fall are going to vote by november uh october 19th half the half of well i'm sorry i've been saying that about a third about a third of everyone that returns their ballot will do it the first day um and then about another third will wait till the last day <laughs> so
0: This week, a federal appeals court ruled that Obama's, President Obama's program to protect nearly 600,000 immigrants from deportation, the court declared it illegal. The court says those who are already enrolled can renew their status. So there is a little bit of limbo there. But the program, it's called uh, Deferred Action for Child Arrivals. Many people have heard of it as DACA. These are the dreamers. These are the so-called dreamers. It allows immigrants who came to America as children to remain in America and become eligible for work permit They came to the country as children. Many of them have few memories and thin ties to their country of birth. Some of them don't even speak the language. I mean, they speak English and maybe instead of Spanish, for example. I do think that a lot of Americans have sympathy for these kids. I don't think that a lot of Americans necessarily want to send them back to a country that they don't really know and may not even speak the language, but DACA was a hugely problematic move by Obama. I mean, basically, after saying Obama himself, saying many times that only Congress had authority to do anything to allow the premiers to stay in the United States, he changed his mind and issued an agency order declaring that they had the right to stay and also that the Department of Justice wouldn't prosecute or you know, do anything about it. So as, again, as a policy matter, people may or may not agree um, that the children, who of course are now adults, Uh, should be allowed to stay. But the way Obama went about it was totally outside the bounds of law, totally illegal. The Trump administration tried to address the situation, if if, uh, folks remember, but the courts rebuffed them, rebuffed his attempts at the time. But now in the wake of the Supreme Court's uh, decision in West Virginia versus EPA, which we talked about uh, a few months ago, this is where the court said that the president can't just make major rules out of nowhere. The, uh, The uh, Congress doesn't hide, you know, elephants in in shoeboxes or whatever, but anyway, um, in the wake of that decision, courts really have to confront the question seriously about whether the Obama administration had authority to do what it did, and the, this appeals court said no, it did not. Obama did not have the authority. The was an illegal executive action. We'll see what comes next. No doubt the Supreme Court will take it up, and I'll bet that uh, the, the Supreme Court agrees with the appeals court that it was illegal, but Todd, how do you see all this?
1: Well, I think we need to separate DACA, which I think most Americans support—not all, but I think the uh, majority of Americans support that, that 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 policy. We need to separate that, on the other hand, from um, abuse of executive power. And so, you know, I'm I'm familiar with a, a a wonderful young woman here in Utah. She was brought across the border when she was just a couple of days old. Was adopted and raised by a family here in utah and didn't even find out that she was a dreamer until she was applying for her master's program uh here in utah now to send her back to mexico where she had where where she left when she was two days old is ridiculous i think that would be a ridiculous uh solution um, to a problem she she didn't do anything wrong um and so you know i think that this is a real issue but the problem here is that uh barack obama um violated the constitution and broke the law and he knew he was doing it and um and now we're two presidents past obama we finally get a ruling that says this is unlawful but even the ruling doesn't stop you know uh doesn't put daca now again to me uh because I, i i'm in support of some of the objectives of daca and i think a lot of reasonable americans are The issue isn't, you know, that these kids who are now adults, as you've pointed out. The issue is Congress is broken. Washington D.C. isn't working, Um, and um, instead of following the Constitution and 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 making laws through the legislative branch, we punted and and whatever presidents want to do now, they just do by executive fiat. They wave their magic wand. I mean, the reason we are a country is because we didn't like king george unilaterally just making you know dictating tax policy and things and so we fought the whole re- revolutionary war and then we fought the whole war uh, war of 1812 and now so many americans are like hey let's just treat the president like a king it's like hello this is <laughs> this is how we got here to start with and so i i just wish i just wish Corey, we could I wish Congress would do their jobs, I, 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 you know, do their job collectively. I wish presidents would follow the Constitution. And so um, this ruling just confirms what I've believed for a number of years. And I'll just get in where I start. I think it's important to separate the objective, because if you if, if one president does something by executive authority, then the next president can undo it. And so we saw that with Trump undoing a lot of he tried to undo this and failed uh, because Another court said he didn't dot his I's and cross his T's. And now Biden's undoing everything Trump did and the next Republican. It, it's just this is a terrible way to run a country.
0: Absolutely. And I mean we see another example of it with the uh, the I mean the Supreme Court kind of struck down the Clean Power Plan, which is, you know, administrative action to try to rearrange the the energy economy. But then also most recently with with President Biden's announcement for giving the student debt. I mean, he doesn't have authority to do that so these things just start to build it's sort of like well he last president or a couple presidents ago got away with doing whatever he wanted so i'm going to try to do whatever i wanted and there are cases of uh you know president trump even doing that like closing you know um some of the border and that sort of thing yeah so and let I, me I, be I,
1: clear I, 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 it's wrong when a republican president does it it's wrong when a democratic president does it let's 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 be consistent let's i'm not talking to you i'm talking to our our, you know our compatriots out there let's not like cheer executive authority when it's a republican do it and then hiss and boo when a Democrat does it let's at least be intellectually honest it, it's the wrong way to run the country and it's not what the founding fathers envisioned or what they what they the procedures they put in place and so the courts are right to call them out on it
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. And when it comes to Congress, I totally agree that Congress has has epically failed when it comes to immigration across the board.
1: And everything else. I mean, and and everything else. They can't even pass a budget, you know, which is their like number one job. (laughs) So
0: So I think we call on Congress now. Do something. You know, so many people have. I mean, do your job. Do do your job and do something. here. So last week we talked about the Club for Growth published an ad that uh, spliced Ed McMullen's words related to him calling the Republican base racist and bigoted. This is in order to help um, Senator Mike Lee. Well, now McMullen's campaign is suing the Club for Growth and three television stations in Utah for defamation for running what they call a deceptive ad. A lawsuit asked for monetary damages to cover the cost of corrective advertising and fix their uh, – repair their reputation and they're asking for an injunction to stop the ad from airing. Todd, i got two questions for you. First, do you think this lawsuit has any merit? Second, do you think this was a good political move on McMull's part?
1: Well, okay. Let me answer the second one first. I think it got him a lot of free publicity, um, but I don't think it was a good move because um, I think it looks, uh, it, it makes him look a little bit like a crybaby And let's be honest, um, Evan McMullen is running ads saying that Mike Lee was bought and paid for by the special interest lobbyist. I mean... Does anyone believe that Mike Lee was? I mean, I mean, yes, some people believe that, but is that honest to say that he's been bought and paid for? I mean, so you know, if if you're gonna if you're gonna accuse, hey, this 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 political hyperbole goes too far, it crosses line. And by the way, it's not Mike Lee running these ads that Mike that uh, Evan McMillan is suing over. It's it's a special uh, special interest group called Club for Growth, and and Mike Lee's not not allowed to coordinate with them but um the the you know, the reason Evan McMullen is is screaming so loud is because these ads are very effective, so Mike Lee's uh having some trouble with female Republican voters, and this ad shows three females sitting around talking about Evan McMullen, and what they say uh I think it rings true to a lot of a lot of people, and so um Evan McMullen doesn't like it. second of all, Evan McMullen is correct. the Club for Growth did splice some of his comments. Um, and, and probably made him look a little bit stronger in his condemnation of the Republican Party. Um, so he, he was saying certain elements of the base are racist, and it made it look like he was saying that all Republicans are racist. But Corey, let me read to you a couple of tweets. So, so Evan McMullen's saying that my, th- that these ads are lying about how he feels about Republicans, okay? I'm gonna just read to you three tweets from Evan McMullen's Senate, can't, uh, can't, so, so his official account, from 2020, number one, for too long, Evan McMullen wrote, conservative leaders have been unwilling to confront the bigots and crazies within their base. That has to change. So he's calling the Republican base bigoted and crazy. Number two, I was raised by anti-racist Republicans. That's what he said on MSNBC as well. I know there are millions of them still out there, but the party has been overcome by the treacherous cancer of bigotry, and it must be defeated. The party must be defeated. Until it repents or reforms or dies once and for all. So he's calling for the downfall of the Republican Party. Th- that was June 28th, 2020, uh, less than two and a half years ago. Lastly, uh, June 28th as well. The GOP is sick. It invited racist parasites into Lincoln's party years ago, and they've sucked the values and patriotism from its body. I haven't been optimistic that it could change. I have, I haven't been, but I hoped and fought anyway. Now I see it. Um, I don't see how it ever recovers from Trump's white power, and so here he is two years ago, calling Republicans racist, and now he's suing. So I don't think the lawsuit has a lot of merit. I think it's a publicity stunt. I think it'll likely backfire. And I don't think he's going to get a court decision in the next nine days that's going to make a difference. So
0: yeah. I totally agree with that. It's frivolous. And I think it's a head scratcher, to be honest with you, that, that he did make this. I, I, don't, I don't know that it's a great political move because I've, I've already said, I think it was a very effective ad and, I'm not sure it benefits him to keep the ad in the public conversation because, you know, every, people are going to watch it. And even if they're interested enough to track it down and look at the, the original from CNN is really not better. I mean, marginally, maybe. And of course, uh, you just laid out some of the tweets that he's, he's put out there. So, I mean, to me, the real takeaway is McMullen could have cleared the air about whether he thinks Republicans are racist, but he didn't. You know, he focused on the sentence structure. You know, he didn't, he didn't deny that he said the Republican base is racist, that an element was. He didn't retract his harsh words in any way, and he didn't offer any explanation about, you know, who exactly does he think is racist, uh, and who's that element of the Republican base, or, or how does he think they're racist exactly? I mean, I think the only conclusion we can come to is that, you know, like, he didn't repair that or, or clear the air, you know, the only conclusion we can come to is that he actually believes that the thrust of the ad, you know, is actually accurate, you know, portrays his views. You know, he does think an element of the Republican base is racist. He, and he seems to believe that an element is awfully large. And as you just kind of laid out, he said before that he thinks the entire Republican Party is overcome by, by bigots. So,
1: yeah, I hope Evan McMullen's 2022 lawyers know that he still hasn't paid his 2016 lawyers i hope that they've got someone's whispering in their ears that he's not going to pay them so yeah
0: you're jumping off you know you're, you're jumping to take a big step in the dark republican representative john curtis democratic challenger glenn wright had a debate on thursday for the third congressional district election todd did you get a chance to watch the debate or see the highlights yeah. at all
1: I listened to a lot of it on audio without the video. I was just in my car driving. You know, so every, everyone, politics 101, everyone knows that a debate helps the challenger more than the incumbent, or it helps the, the person who's behind more than the person who's expected to win. And this debate was a, a great example of that. And I, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Natalie Gotchner. I think she did a great job moderating the debate. Um, I don't think she showed, you know, favoritism or bias. But the headline that came out of the debate and it made national news. It was in the Hill. It was on in the Salt Lake Tribune. Was uh, near the end. John Curtis made the statement that he wishes women could decide for them- themselves about, you know, whether uh, abortions, you know, to have an abortion or not. But but he's going to have to make that decision for him. I think he was. I, I think he. I think his sentiments were earnest and from the heart. I don't think he meant to sound offensive, but the media took that one sentence, and I, I can hardly blame them. And they're trying to make him, you know, they're trying to cast him in a very negative light. Um, and obviously, he's going to get reelected, and it's not going to be enough to overcome a, a huge, you know, a, a, you know, he's uh, is not even close. He'll probably win by thirty percent. But it makes me wonder how many. Um, how many incumbents are going to want to continue to participate in debates in Utah if this is if this is the, the net result is it's just the media takes one sentence and, and tries to make them look like a monster.
0: Oh, it's a great point. It's a great point. And I mean, I took from it that he was like, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I, I mean, I, I took from it that he was trying to say that basically like, it was almost like saying I, I wish there was more women in the legislature. And it's almost like he assumed that they would vote pro-life, and probably most of them would. Utah, you know. I mean, when you're talking about even even female legislators, but it did come out a little awkward. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, it does go back to a conversation we had earlier this year when remember the Republican Party uh, pulled out of some of the Utah Debate Commission primary debates, and they had other reasons for that some questions some some people question the motives or whatever but it does raise a question of you know like if this is just a gotcha moment um, rather than talking about like there's multiple issues that were discussed i mean how about the fact that you know obviously right i mean let's push him to say like what, what where do you see the, the the limits on abortion for example and, on girls' sports, I thought, I, I mean, there, there was several issues. Girls' sports was one where there was just a clear demarcation between the two. I mean, Curtis is a traditional conservative and said he doesn't think that – he says, I don't want a man competing with girls in sports, period, uh, under any circumstances. And Wright completely disagreed. And, you know, I, I just think it would be interesting to, to highlight some of these things because there is a clear choice, and, uh, and I think Curtis is on on the side of where most Utah's find themselves
1: and, and i just have to say Corey, you know when when debates became i mean lincoln debated douglas right right back in the 1800s but when debates really entered the national stage was the kennedy nixon debates and back then there was like five tv channels that you could get with your tin foil on the antenna and there were like you know three or, or five radio stations and so when you had a debate like that literally probably half of the public was watching them. Um, I I would be shocked if 3% of the voters watched this Curtis debate, I would be shocked. And so anyone that's listening to this, if you live in that district, or if you don't, just Google Utah debate commission, go and listen to that debate when you're washing the dishes or mowing the lawn or something. I, I think it was a good debate. But I'm just going to say for John Curtis's opponent, I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, John is. Let, let's be honest, he's not the most conservative congressman from Utah. I mean, I, I think Burgess Owens or Chris Stewart or or Mike Lee would get that. So, I mean, he's he's kind of considered a mainstream. Some would, would call him moderate. And, you know, he's representing most of Utah County, uh, a pretty conservative district. And then you have this Democrat who is just like, I couldn't have deciphered his positions from AOC. I mean, just the most liberal, the most progressive, Um, ideas and policies, and it's like, really? I mean, do you honestly think that Utah voters are ready for all of that Washington, D.C. drivel? I'm just shocked that that he couldn't, you know, maybe moderate his message a little bit to try to get some swing voters, but no, he went all in. He just jumped in the liberal, progressive side of the pool with both feet and sank right to the bottom, so.
0: I think that just is kind of an indication of where we are today. Yeah. He probably... I, I take him at his word that he probably thinks it's persuasive. Yeah. And, and the rest of us are just kind of like eyes wide open God. Like, are you serious? Um, but I think that's where we are. It's just two very different visions. And
1: country. I'll tell you, because I've been involved in the Utah Republican Party for over 20 years it used to be i would used to hear democrats in utah say all the time you know uh utah democrats utah republicans they would call themselves utah democrats we're not that far apart you know we're different than the dc democrats they've thrown that out the window they are full on board they are just as liberal today as bernie sanders and aoc and elizabeth warren there's no utah democrat i mean there's no utah democrat candidate for senate period but but in terms of their party values they've stopped pretending like they're Utah Democrats. They they are full on board on, on every progressive wish list idea. And 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 I think that's why they'll continue to lose statewide elections in Utah.
0: All right, good enough. I think that's it. Thanks, Don.
1: All right. Thanks, Corey. Have a good one.